There has been a lot of criticism aimed at South Carolina's offensive line unit for their performance in the Georgia State game. And according to Marshawn Lloyd and others, they have had enough of that criticism. Locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn, the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every single day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And if you want future alerts and notifications on new shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or give us a follow, again, wherever you listen to your audio podcasts. All right, so for today's show, I've got a lot to unpack for all of you both pertaining to on the field and off the field. In the middle and latter portion of today's show, I'm going to give you all an in-depth breakdown of Arkansas's offense and defense, including the type of scheme that they run, who are some of the players that you need to watch out for and what they bring to the field, and how they played against Cincinnati in their Week 1 matchup this past weekend. But before I get into all of that, We need to address the elephant in the room real quick, which is Marshawn Lloyd and some of the other football players coming to the defense of South Carolina's offensive line group. If you maybe don't pay attention to social media as much or you just happen to miss everything that took place on Monday afternoon, running back Marshawn Lloyd posted a tweet in response to some of the criticism that has been aimed to his offensive line teammates after what was... Obviously, a shaky performance, admittedly, against the Georgia State Panthers this past Saturday. Obviously, I believe the Gamecocks only had like 79 rushing yards on 32 carries, which is, of course, a mark that you never want to see come up on the stat sheet. And even with the pass protection, that wasn't very consistent either. And I believe that the Georgia State Panthers even managed to get three sacks on Spencer Rattler and even more quarterback hurries or pressures. But Marshawn Lloyd had had enough of people just pretty much blaming, it seems like, all of the mistakes on the offensive line. So he took to Twitter for a rare tweet on Monday afternoon where he stated, quote, chill on my offensive line. I usually don't do this, but I'm tired of hearing this about them. Them boys work hard. Don't be a fan later. We will be straight. I promise you that. Basically, Marshawn is saying here that as time goes along, this offense and the offensive line, of course, subsequently is going to be A-OK. And quarterback Spencer Rattler ended up agreeing with the sentiments of Marshawn Lloyd's tweet as he quote tweeted Marshawn's tweet later that same day saying, quote, Amen. Love them, guys. We'll be just fine. 
And there were some other guys who chimed in on this as well, including Sherrod Green, Mohamed Kaba, and potentially a few others that I did not see. But those were the guys who I saw on Twitter agreeing again with the sentiments of Marshawn Lloyd's tweet. So what some of y'all may be sitting there and asking is, well, why should the fan base care about this at all? Why is it that this matters? Well, in my opinion, this is important for the fans to note because this shows everyone, this should show everyone how closely knit this team is from a camaraderie standpoint. Now, why is it that we should care about camaraderie? Well, obviously, for a lot of us fans, what the majority of fans care about is, of course, you know, what is the win-loss record at the end of the season? Fans don't care, you know, how many receiving yards one particular receiver got. They don't care how many interceptions a particular defensive back got. They don't care how many passing touchdowns even that the quarterback has gotten by season's end. What fans care about the most at season's end is the win-loss record. You look at 2021. South Carolina played really ugly football. Let's be honest. Very ugly football in the majority of their games. But despite all of that, South Carolina found a way to go 7-6, and six, including a Dukes Bale Bowl victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels. And so because South Carolina went 7-6, and six, subsequently, a lot of those issues were either brushed under the rug, at least for the time being, or for some fans, they just completely forgot about them, and it was almost like that those issues were never even a thing. So my point being with that is most fans care about the on-field stuff. But the off-field stuff that the fans don't see is just as important. When it comes to team camaraderie, you need to have a team full of players that are going to be sticking together. Players that are going to fight for one another. Players that truly care about one another. That, you know, when they're outside of the football program, when they're maybe going to class or maybe they're just hanging out on campus, they're doing stuff together. Maybe they're hanging out and maybe going bowling on a Friday night or, you know, doing some other stuff on a Friday night for that matter. But but the point being is the players need to have those relationships with one another. It's very important for every team in sports to have team camaraderie. Now, how does something like this impact team camaraderie? Well, obviously, Marshawn Lloyd, Spencer Rattler, and these other players are truly sticking their necks out for this offensive line. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but obviously... This goes to show you just how much belief that these guys have in this offensive line and the fact that they think that this offensive line obviously maybe left a little bit on the field on Saturday night, but that they can play way better and that they will, most importantly, play better as this season goes along. And while obviously this does not mean that the offensive line is now all of a sudden just going to blow up on Saturday, they're going to just absolutely pancake Arkansas's defensive line for all 60 minutes, and the Gamecocks going to rush for 500 yards. Obviously, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the point is the offensive line has just gotten a vote of confidence. And when you have something like that from your teammates, that can only help to sort of reignite that fire inside of you. Whether it's because you appreciate your teammates sticking up for you in the face of criticism that you have received from a lot of the fans and the fan base, or maybe it takes you off a little bit that you're teammates felt like that they had to address this, which, again, can just provide more fuel to the fire for these offensive linemen. So my point being with this entire thing, I think that this is good for the team. 
Again, I think it shows how close this team is. And it seems like there's now a small mentality that's developing in the locker room where the players are sitting there and they're thinking to themselves that we are truly the only people who believe that we can hit our ceiling, that we can do way more than what we have done. And obviously, that could be very healthy for a team to have. Of course, if that mentality spreads throughout the entire locker room and you get to a point where everyone in the locker room believes that they are the only ones that believe in themselves, then obviously you've gone over the edge. You have crossed sort of that threshold when it comes to this kind of mentality and it can have adverse effects. If you don't have it at all, then you know maybe you can be a little bit complacent, so to speak. Again, I'm not saying, of course, that's what's happened here, but my bottom line is this. Overall, this can only have a positive impact on this team. It can only have a positive impact on this offensive line. And I think at least from a mentality standpoint, you're going to see this offensive line come out on Saturday against the Arkansas Razorbacks, and they'll be out looking to prove that they are not as bad as some people have claimed them to be in the last four or five days or so. And of course, talking about that game that is going to be taking place this coming Saturday, the Gamecocks are going to be facing a very tough test in the Arkansas Razorbacks. What is it that the Arkansas Razorbacks do on offense and defense? Who are some of the players that they have on either side of the ball that could give the Gamecocks some problems? I'm going to be talking about all of that in just a few moments. But before I do, I do need to talk to y'all about our friends over at LinkedIn who are the sponsors for today's show. Now, as you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate, I've been able to stay in touch and create a network with many people who are alumni of the University of South Carolina. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So why sit around and wait? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. Once again, that's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free for viable candidates to look at today. Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to the second segment of this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, moving on from some of the off-field stuff that I talked about in segment one, let's now talk about the Arkansas Razorback, South Carolina's week two opponent who they will be facing on the road on Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So let's start off with... Arkansas's offense. Now, Arkansas, from a scheme perspective, runs an air raid power type of offense, which, unlike most air raid offenses where there's a lot of passing involved, 
Arkansas does like to run the football, and in some cases, they'll run the ball more than they actually pass the ball. Now, why is the type of scheme that Arkansas runs on offense noteworthy? Well, according to On3's Clark Brooks, who is also known as SEC underscore StatCat on Twitter, three of the four most explosive offenses last year ran an Art Bryles type offense, which basically incorporates air raid principles along with some super spread offensive principles. And the most explosive offense in 2021 who happened to run this kind of system was Arkansas. Tennessee and Georgia were second and third in terms of explosive plays. And in both of those games in 2021, the Gamecocks gave up 40 and 45 points, respectively, in each of those games. Now, obviously, that was back in 2021, where the Gamecocks were learning a new system under a first-year coaching staff. And, of course, Arkansas had do-it-all wide receiver Traylon Burks, who was now playing in the NFL for the Tennessee Titans. Now, to move on to some of the notes that I jotted down watching the Arkansas-Cincinnati game from this past Saturday, I noticed in the Cincinnati game that Arkansas did not throw the ball down the field very much. And again, admittedly, I don't know if this was because Cincinnati's secondary just did a really good job of covering up Arkansas's wide receivers, or if it was an issue with Arkansas's wideouts where maybe they weren't doing a good enough job running their routes, maybe you know giving themselves a chance to create some separation between themselves and these defenders in these one-on-ones. So could this be an issue for Arkansas against South Carolina's secondary if it is indeed the latter? I definitely think that that could be the case. I think South Carolina does have a secondary that can match up quite well against this receiver core that Arkansas will trot out there on Saturday. Now about KJ Jefferson, their quarterback. He is a defense's worst nightmare as a dual threat quarterback, being listed at 6 foot 3, 242 pounds according to Arkansas's website and the scary part is he runs and make cuts like he is a running back. He does not move around like your prototypical 242-pound quarterback. K.J. Jefferson is a very good athlete, and while he might not move quick throughout the entirety of the time he runs out of the pocket, do not let that throw you off. This guy is a football player. He can misfire some passes from time to time, if there is a guy in his grill with his arms extended or if Jefferson is rolling outside the pocket. I noticed this on multiple occasions when going back and watching Arkansas's game against Cincinnati. And KJ Jefferson also showed a tendency to throw passes a little bit high at times for his wide receivers. Now, with Jadon Hazelwood and Matt Landers, I believe both being listed as at least six foot two or higher. That does admittedly offset that problem a little bit, but let's not get it twisted. When people do say that KJ Jefferson reminds them of Cam Newton, he kind of shows some of the same tendencies in the passing game as Cam Newton. And this was an issue that Cam Newton had at times in his playing career, especially at the Carolina Panthers, where you know he would maybe just put too much gusto on the ball. Maybe sometimes we forget just how strong of a football player he was. And yeah, that ball would end up sailing and his receiver would have to end up jumping off the ground to make an unbelievable snag. That does happen at times with KJ Jefferson as well. Raheem Rocket Sanders is probably going to be their first running back they tried out on Saturday. Uh, and he's going to be a problem. He is very powerful to where you cannot just simply bring this guy down with an arm tackle. 
And he can also get into gears two, three, and four very, very quickly. Rocket Sanders is definitely someone that should not be taken lightly by this South Carolina defense. Arkansas will use the run game to incorporate some RPO type plays as well. So if they get the running game going and maybe the passing game struggling some, they will use the RPO game in order to try and offset those passing struggles a little bit. Moving on to their offensive line. Their interior offensive line, to me, shows a little bit of weakness in terms of run blocking and pass protection. Now, as an overall unit, this Arkansas offensive line is one of the more experienced in the SEC as four of their five starters from 2021 returned for this season. And Arkansas is still going to be one of the better ones that South Carolina plays in the early portion of this season. But you can, in my opinion, find a way to exploit certain facets of this offensive line. Because I think that they seem to have a little bit of trouble when there is extra pressure brought in the interior of the offensive line in particular. Especially when those blitzers run up to the interior right before the snap. Or maybe they time the cadence right of the quarterback and they end up careening into a gap basically right as that ball is getting snapped. Arkansas's offensive lineman at times against Cincinnati had some issues with this. Despite the fact that Cincinnati obviously was giving up some size to Arkansas, they were able to take advantage of some of the extra speed that they had as well, and that helped them at times against this Arkansas offensive line. Another thing that Arkansas' O-line seemed to struggle with was if a defensive lineman who was already lined up on the line of scrimmage basically just decided to go ahead and crash into a gap without really trying to see what the O-lineman for Arkansas was going to do in terms of a block, then Arkansas' O-lineman at times were very caught off guard by this. And... And even if the defensive lineman did not make the play, it would wind up, to put it nicely, mucking things up for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And with how good this running game can be at times for Arkansas, I think that this is something that the Gamecocks defensive line coaches in Jimmy Lindsey and Sterling Lucas should strongly consider doing. And maybe defensive coordinator Clayton White decides to look at something like this when watching the film from that Cincinnati game. And then my last quick thought on one of the players on this offense, tight end Trey Knox. I got to say, from a receiving standpoint, I think Trey Knox is solid. From a blocking standpoint, that's an entirely different story. I think that Trey Knox is quite pitiful, to be honest, in terms of blocking. I think that he's someone that if he's matched up on one of our defensive ends, our defensive ends ought to be able to light him up in the blocking game. I don't think that Trey Knox can really even hold off Jordan Strawn or Jordan Birch, for that matter, for any length of time if he winds up being matched up on them. So if there's any formations where it seems like that the defense has to key in on that strong side tight end, wherever Knox happens to be lined up, then I would probably set an extra guy, honestly, at that spot and just sort of see what happens. And I think if the Gamecocks do that, they'll end up having a higher chance of creating some negative plays for this Arkansas offense. So my final overall takeaways for this offense. This is an offense that has an identity in the sense that they want a strong ground game and they want every other facet in their offense to feed off of their ground game. That is for good reason for Arkansas because this is a passing game, in my opinion, I think has a chance to become stagnant at times in the game if the defensive front can get pressure on passing downs. Jefferson is a decent quarterback, 
But if you can get him out of his comfort zone in some way, shape, or form, then his accuracy percentages drop dramatically if he's pressured or if he's got a guy in his face as he's letting go of the ball and maybe he has to readjust sort of the launch angle of where he's letting go of the football. Also, with the receiver core, in my opinion, there's not one receiver that really jumps off the screen as someone who can beat this defense at all three levels consistently. Jadon Hazelwood and Matt Landers obviously both bring big frames, which in the red zone could provide some potential issues for the Gamecocks. But otherwise, I don't really see a whole lot of issue with this receiving core, something that maybe, you know, the Gamecocks secondary is going to have to pay extra attention to. And then with the offensive line, as I mentioned earlier, they're still really solid. But in my opinion, they do have their weak points like most offensive lines. And the Gamecocks defensive coaching staff can properly game plan around that. I think the Gamecocks can find a way to, again, create some negative plays, actually force Arkansas to have to convert some third and longs in which, therefore, everything else that I just mentioned can fall into place. And of course, while Arkansas does have some solid players on the offensive side of the ball, you cannot forget about Arkansas's defense either, who is led by defensive coordinator Barry Odom. What is it that they will be bringing to this game? I'll be discussing that more in detail in just a few moments. Welcome back to the final segment of today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. So let's talk about Arkansas's defense real quick to finish off the show. Now, their defense overall is similar to their offense regarding what it is they prioritize. They run a multiple front defense, which can be anything from a 4-3, which admittedly is quite rare, all the way to a 3-3-5 or even 3-2-6. But for the most part, Arkansas runs a 4-2-5 base nickel defense now on obvious passing downs basically being third and long they'll get creative and run a 3-2-6 or 3-3-5 formation and in either of these formations both of their linebackers can line up either outside of the offensive tackles or in between the defensive ends and the nose tackle on their side of the ball basically there'll be five defenders lined up at times along the line of scrimmage who could rush the quarterback and this is of course done in order to try to throw the offensive line and quarterback off kilter in terms of their communication by way of changing up their alignment, really making you have to dot all of your I's and cross all your T's in terms of knowing where everybody is at and who could be coming on a pass rush. Sometimes they will try to show potential blitz by having two to three guys run up near the line of scrimmage at the apex of a quarterback's cadence. So basically, before the ball gets snapped, they will have some guys run up in order to try and see if that could affect the center, maybe if the offensive lineman potentially jumping off and then having a false start penalty, or if the quarterback gets thrown off by the amount of guys that are showing blitz in that moment. Overall, Arkansas will just try to out-physical you, is the best way I can put it, really, on early downs. They'll normally only send four rushers. Sometimes they'll send five on those early downs, being first and second down. And then they'll try to take advantage of some passing situations, especially on third down, which is nearly the exact opposite of how Georgia State played the Gamecocks this past weekend. So you're going to see a little bit of a change in terms of philosophy regarding how many guys get sent into the box on each and every down. And as I just mentioned, Arkansas is very fast and physical up front. 
Their defensive line can hold their own in rush defense. They do not get pushed off the line very often. So this is going to be a tough challenge for this offensive line in terms of run blocking. They do also show an ability to condense the pocket in pass rush, but they don't have a lot of finesse moves in their arsenal, it seems, collectively. There's a lot of just bull rushing where defensive linemen will just basically try to get their hands on the offensive linemen, and they literally just try to push them all the way back to the quarterback or near the quarterback without actually pulling off any moves in which then they'll just try to kind of let go and then try to chase after the quarterback after that. That's what a bull rush is. And... Basically, I don't think Arkansas has any defensive linemen that can consistently shed blocks and dominate one-on-ones in pass rush. And when watching the Cincinnati game back, their defensive line really wore down in terms of their pass rush in the second half. And we're giving the quarterback a lot more time in that aspect. And I believe a big part of that was because of how fast and physical they play up front. It seems like that their guys literally give it 110% on every single play, which is obviously what you want as a coach, as long as your guys can maintain that kind of motor. But in my opinion, at least based on week one, it didn't seem like Arkansas's defensive line was able to do that. And Cincinnati was able to take advantage and start creating some long sustained drives, which kept them in the ball game. Now, Arkansas's D-line, last note, will also run some stunts up front every so often. Again, this is a very rare thing, but sometimes they will send one defensive lineman crashing into another guy's gap, and then that guy, who was originally going to go in that gap, will basically kind of loop around and try to go into that gap that is now completely absent. Again, trying to catch the offensive lineman off guard, hoping that a guy's going to be able to shoot on through scot-free and be able to at least get a pressure on the quarterback. Now, with their secondary, their secondary, in my opinion, is the weak link of this defense, especially if Jalen Catalan and I believe Miles Brusher is the name of the other secondary player, cannot play in this game against South Carolina on Saturday. I've heard that these two guys are real key players in this unit. But either way, their secondary had multiple lapses in their game against Cincinnati, which In my opinion, some of them should have led to some touchdowns, but Cincinnati's quarterback, Ben Bryant, had a little bit of an issue in terms of overshooting his receivers on multiple occasions. Their DBs had a tendency to be sagging in coverage, and Cincinnati took advantage of this by running a lot of short one-cut routes. Routes like a slant route, some out routes, some drag routes. Very short, simple routes where, again, the receiver's just making one cut and then they're just basically running full sprint the rest of the way and then hoping that the quarterback's going to be able to try to get them the ball. And for Cincinnati, this worked very well for them, especially when they need to convert on particular plays like third down. And while, of course, I cannot prove this, this could be a sign of just how much Barry Odom might not fully trust this defensive backfield to consistently make plays in press or man-to-man coverage where they're right up on a wide receiver or tight end in a one-on-one situation. And if that's the case, again, I think that South Carolina has the personnel at wide receiver and definitely at tight end in order to take advantage of that. So my overall final takeaways from Arkansas's defense This defense can be quite stingy in rush defense. I give them that. But they can also falter if they allow their opponent to get a consistent passing game going. So they must rely on getting their opponent into some second and long or third and long type situations. Based on what I saw from the Cincinnati game, 
The physicality that this defense plays with can come back to bite them if their opponent can string together some long sustained drives on offense. So in terms of Arkansas's offense and defense, it starts and ends with the rushing attack on both sides of the ball. And that's something that the Gamecocks will have to deal with in Fayetteville this coming Saturday. So with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what were y'all's thoughts on what Marshawn Lloyd, Spencer Rattler, and a couple of the other football players said about the criticism that has been aimed towards the offensive line since this past Saturday? How do you feel about what they said? Are you on board with how they reacted? Do some of you feel like maybe they should have just not said anything? Which again, I think maybe would not be a great take again I think that it was a good thing what they did but I do want to hear what y'all's thoughts are on that and how do you feel about Arkansas's offense and defense do you think maybe there's certain matchups that we can exploit that I didn't mention on today's show I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts as always down below in the comment section if you are watching this on YouTube but of course if you are listening to today's show on an audio podcast app wherever you get your podcast daily you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore sc on twitter and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And once again, I really appreciate all of you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. So for your second listen, I would like for you all to go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview for 2022. This is an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season, combine the thoughts and analysis of local team experts and the NFL insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>